Quiet on the set. Action. everyone and welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, a show produced by Hot Chocolate Media where we take three of the Hollywood elite and we have them make up a random movie for us based on a prompt from the internet. I am joined by three illustrious guests today. We have our writer, Kyle Decker, who is the product placement supervisor on Double Team. We have David Trailer, our director, who is Chris Pratt's tummy waxer on Guardians of the Galaxy. How's it going? I just have my cigar yoga class. I'm ready to go. And we have Kirsten Wade, our producer, who is the fight choreographer on Karate Dog. Hello. And so... You did Karate Dog? Mm-hmm. It's a John, it's a John One, two, Boyd, Pat Morita classic. Yeah. Last film Pat Morita ever did, and bless his soul. Gotcha, Pat. <laughs> All right, here's your prompt. The theme of this story, Serious Slice of Life. The main character, a seasoned imposter. The start of the story is service. The end of the story is accident. All right, so this movie is going to take place in kind of a nondescript Midwest town. Our main character is going to be a longtime grifter who's currently hiding from the mob that he's pissed off. He's angered. Uh, we'll just call him, he's just going to go by the name of Joe. Just because it's a good run-the-mill name. He's been working as a server at just a diner in a small town for a while. And he's just been playing very incognito, playing it down low. He's got his big sack of money he stole from the mob. He's hidden away. He's very smart. He's not spending it or making a big deal. He's very living very modestly in this small run-of-the-mill town. But then, and he's just, no one really noticed him. He's just the guy that works in the diner, Joe here. But then a uh, detective from the nearby big city who's following leads because there's been lots of murders in the big city concurrently and we'll call her detective detective uh james buchanan so we'll just say he's a history buff and his parents really like were they raised in a barn yeah no so but there's been a series of murders in the city that he thinks are mob related and all related to the theft of this money Mm. He's followed a clue that's led him to this small town nearby, kind of in the country, a few you know, a few hours from the city. And he, he's he's not sure who this Joe character is, but he thinks something's connected, and he's trying to he's trying to get to the bottom of it. And uh, it all accumulates when uh, some muscle from the mob come to the small town, and the grifter and the uh, cop have to work together to both save the town and save each other. And uh, I think it's going to end with a great redemption of Joe, the grifter, is going to somehow sacrifice himself or sacrifice his freedom in order to save the town from the destruction of these mobsters. And I'm going to call this movie The Anger of Perfection. I think that's all I have. All right. So. All right. I like it. It's a bold idea. New direction. Definitely. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting flashes of Mark Wahlberg in this. I'm really getting. I'm really getting either Flash or Mark Wahlberg, unless we want to go older, wiser. Scott Glenn, you know, I don't know. He, uh, Scott Glenn, might be a bad choice just because he's got that fixed stare problem from playing Stick and Daredevil, and I'm pretty sure his eyes are actually stuck that way. So we got to find somebody who's maybe a little bit younger, very very quick wit. Uh, I'm thinking possibly a Clooney, 
you know, if he uh, if he maybe muscles up a little bit. Um, I want I want a lady detective too. I think I think we need a lady detective. I think we need to make her at least thirty five to forty. I I'm thinking maybe Marissa Tomei. Are we, are we all feeling Marissa Tomei? I can change her name to Jean Buchanan. Yeah, there we go. Or Jane Jane Buchanan. That's that's what you do, right? You just you change James to Jane. There you go. Find and replace. Exactly. I'm also thinking of a very bold camera scheme for this. I want it to be over Joe's shoulder the entire time. I want this to be a third person, basically, yeah, basically like a third person Max Payne shooter, except no, sh not as much shooting and better than the actual Max Payne movie. Which is one of the reasons I think I was thinking Wahlberg. But uh, we definitely want somebody with good comic timing. So who are you gonna go with? You have all these choices. I got all these choices. Well, uh, I gotta say Clooney. I gotta say Clooney because uh, I know that he's, uh, I want a little bit of uh, Ulysses Everett McGill in there with, a t with shades of whoever he played in Ides of March. I want somebody who can be a little bit dark but also kind of sardonically funny. He's probably a very jaded character, I'm guessing, uh, and, uh, you know, been doing this a long time. Forgot kind of how to be honest a little bit, and maybe uh, Lady Cop Marissa Tomei helps him uh, regain a better part of himself. I'm thinking that, and over his shoulder the entire time. I want this Aronofsky style, except 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would definitely like, I, I want a comic relief partner for the Lady Cop, potentially... Can we can we uh, bring Jim Carrey out of storage, rinse him off? You think you think you think that'll work? You think he can still? He's just been waiting in that garage. Yeah, exactly. He's been facing yeah. the he's been facing the corner like Blair Witch, man. Like get get him out of that corner, give him a shave, um, and remind him what it's like to be funny in case he forgot. I want him to be lady cop partner. There you go. Okay. What was the title of this movie? The anger of perfection. Yeah. The anger of perfection. I knew it was something Indeed. pretentious. We could call so, it maybe Perfect Rage. <laughs> Something like that. If we want to condense it down, just a suggestion. Yeah. So but Kirsten, anyway. Kirsten, the pitch for The Anger of Perfection has come across your desk, mm -hmm. as well as the, the complete pitch from your director. How are we going to get this movie made? Well, um, I'm going to be honest. I think I like what I see. I, uh, I like what you gentlemen have cooked up for me here. Thank you very much. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to change a few things just to make sure that we really, really get where we're wanting to go. So the first thing, right now what's big is period pieces. But we don't want to do westerns because everyone's done westerns. Westerns are tired. Period pieces. Let's, let's stick it back in the 70s. We'll try and kind of bank on that. Uh, high Rise did it. And, yeah. Um, you mean other... the collection of scenes they called High Rise? Yes. And we'll see if we can try and get that sort of old style class, but keep it, keep it just in that town, in that Midwestern town. Mm -hmm. I'm liking your idea of George Clooney playing the main character here, but I don't think that anyone is going to believe that a woman in her 30s or 40s is going to be hooked up with a man who is only 20 years her senior. I think that uh, if we want to really make this believable, she's going to have to be in her mid-20s. So, um, or at least appear young enough. Uh, as we all know, women have to be young for older men to find them attractive. So, uh, why don't we go for... Uh, we call that the Connery effect. Yeah. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's go for maybe an Amy Adams. Or, you know, someone a little fresher face yeah. who you haven't seen in a while. Very, very gifted, though, to make detective by mid-20s. 
Yes. I, uh, well, you know, who cares? No one's gonna think about it at all because, uh, women. True. Um, true. We could maybe, uh, get Amanda Seyfried. She hasn't really been doing anything in a while. I think oh. she could use a bone. Yeah. She's Not got that cat how I face that. Design. And then Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey might be a little bit expensive. Do you think that we could switch him out with somebody a little bit more low rent. I'm wondering if a Zach Galifianakis might do. Ooh, ooh, oh, he's, I mean, he's he's the bread and butter in terms of comic and relief. And so I am giving you a budget of, well, let's see, if we keep this pretty, pretty centered on that diner, I think I could give you a budget of 500,000. Let's keep it kind of low budget and see where we get through innovation. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kyle, you've got a budget. You've got your uh, word back from the studio. Your film's been greenlit. Looks like it's a micro-budget piece, but they're going to go with it, and they're going to let you do your thing. Yeah. What comes um, next? I'm not sure how we're going to get those actors for that budget, but I'm going to go ahead and tweak the script more on the, the Zach Galifianox I can go. He's the diner owner. Oh, it's, ah. it's, it's Jeff's okay. Diner and Waffle House. Oh, okay. And, and Zach Hillman, I'm right, he's kind of your eclectic weird. He uh, keeps making all these random waffle combinations. That's mm-hmm. his thing. He <laughs> talks about his random waffle menu and everything. And, and Joe, Always eating a waffle, maybe? Maybe. And Joe Joe is just kind of like, you know, he's a con man, so he's trying to get in character. He's like, yeah, those are, those are great ideas Jeff and everything just trying to encourage this weird creative savant who's really just an idiot who likes waffles mm-hmm. um, which I think is a role that Zach Galifianakis could really just chew some scenery on just being this waffle aficionado if you will and then he kind of gets caught up in this battle with the mob I realize the the mob character I haven't really characters I haven't really fleshed out much it's just gonna be the main kind of mob right hand enforcer yeah we're gonna call him Big Kevin is what they're gonna call Big him Kevin. Big Kevin I'm gonna write him as kind of an older middle aged guy he's tough mean kind of intimidating okay but he doesn't do much of the the violence himself until he's really pushed over the edge he has a few of his own henchmen that he travels with and it's a period piece so they'll be in a big Cadillac and everything they can mm. just be very you know they don't fit in the small town at all they're wearing you know the nylon suits and the collars open and gold chains and they're very you know polyester flamboyant suits. polyester suits yeah whatever they wore horrible I mean we need to set aside a rider for the mustaches the mustaches yeah I mean we, yeah, well, I mean, we, we could just mustache budget yeah, we can just have have the actors grow. Zach Galifianakis will keep him in the big, big beard mm. and maybe get him to grow, I want to see big chops grow like a 70s fro on Zach Galifianakis. And then just have Clooney, very classic, though. You know, just like yeah. give him like the 1950s, you know. He's got kind of like the crew cut with the yeah. slick back. He's very buttoned. His, his, you know, undercover thing is more in the Mad Men direction. And then, but we can go earlier in the script. We'll have the scene. We'll go to flashbacks of the heist, how he oh. got the, the money out. But we'll cut back. I have multiple scenes showing. And that version of Clooney's got the mustache. He's slick. He's talking. And how he's able to con the mob out of this hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh-huh. And that brings him. So we'll intersperse flashbacks of the Clooney character conning the mob. Back with the interspersings of trying to enjoy life in a small town till he mm-hmm. can make his getaway, 
And then the juxtaposition of that, of the violence and disruption brought in by the mob characters and yep. Big Kevin. I don't have any ideas for casting that. Someone intimidating, older, maybe a Christopher Walken. Can I, can I, I make know, a suggestion? But, yep. but I'm going to hand that out. That's okay. ultimately up to the director. So I'm basically I'm adding more scenes for the comic relief, setting them up as the diner owner. I'm okay with the act, the detective being male or female. Kate McKinnon might be good in that. Oh, She's Kate McKinnon. Right she is hot, um, very hot right now. Uh, and then we we and then she could do a lot of Im- the improv she could do off Zach Galifianakis could be amazing oh. and crazy and then George Clooney just as the straight man in the middle of it playing off whoever we decide to cast as a bad guy so mm-hmm. flashback show the heist interspersed with scenes in the town punch up the humor a little more with the detective and the diner owner character and yeah. then go f- and and that's it excellent excellent right. so you've got your revisions you've got your budget. Mm-hmm. Where's the uh, the direction going to end up here? Well, I think seeing it, I didn't hear any uh, any real challenges to the idea of it being a one-take movie. <laughs> I think we can do an entire 90-minute uh, film in one take. I believe in us. Here's the thing, though. You see a lot of movies, they have color for things that are happening in the present, and then they switch to black and white for flashbacks. I want to change that up. I want to reverse it. I want to have the present be in black and white, and I want to have the past be in color, because when you look it back on the past, everything seems more colorful and happy than it actually was, right? So, present, black and white, over Clooney's shoulder the entire time, except when it goes to his face and everything, because we want like that, that kind of weird orbiting camera like in Mario Kart. So, um, yeah, that's right. I just said I want the camera from Mario Kart. What are you going to do about it, writer? All right. Um, Lakitu? Uh, yeah, okay, here's the thing. The thi- I feel like I need Kate McKinnon? I love Kate McKinnon. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love Kate McKinnon. Um, I think that she can have some sincerity to her as well as the, uh, as well as the kind of offbeat improv funny. I think that uh, she and Zach Galifianakis, having just done Masterminds, are going are gonna to work really well together. You could just put the camera on and just let them go, and you could just cut it however you want to, basically, because they're both absolute geniuses. Clooney, I'd like, I like going with the more kind of straight Mad Men direction. I think he's going to stick out like a sore thumb in the uh, kind of in the sort of suburban 70s. You know, we don't see the suburban 70s a lot. You know, you see you see the urban 70s. So I think he's going to clash well with that. And uh, I think honesty is going to be a big theme of this. I think that the camera is going to show you things that may not necessarily be how they are. So just like how Clooney's character may have a problem with actually being able to tell the truth to anybody, and that's how he got himself in this whole mess. Who's going to play Big Kevin? Big Kevin. Okay, I'm thinking of a bearded diner dude from Stranger Things. He was, uh, I, I thought he was great. I thought he was sweet, you know? I think that Big Kevin can be kind of, you know, like a big uh, sort of violent teddy bear. I'm thinking, uh, you know, uh, John Goodman could have been this 30 years ago. Think, think about that. You know, he's mean and he's scary, some bitch, but he's a little bit endearing. And, you know, you got him wanted to just give him a hug. Yeah, give Big Kevin a hug. All right, so Kirsten, you've got your revisions. Uh, You've got some more details on how this movie's going to play out. How are we going to get this into theaters? Well, first of all, I would just like to quickly defend this budget. You expressed some concerns on how are we going to be able to afford these actors on that budget. If the entire movie is shot over George Clooney's shoulder, it does not actually need to be George Clooney in that role. All we need is to find somebody with a similarly shaped ear... And uh, I, th- I think that we should be gold. We don't even have to credit that actor, I think, and let people draw their own conclusions as to whose ear that could be. You, you want maybe a physical and other character and then George Clooney voiceover? 
or it's somebody who sounds George Clooney-ish. But again, if yeah. we never make the claim ourselves oh. that it is George Clooney, we're in the legal clear. <laughs> uh, I like I like the idea of uh, the black and white and vibrantly colored. They would have to be just very vibrantly colored suits back in the 70s. But do you think uh, since all of our money usually gets lost in the editing process that since we are shooting this all in one take, we will just have all of the sets and clothes and makeup be black and white and so the cameras will still be in color and we won't have to pay for any extra effects to uh, make it appear black and white later. Oh damn, this and what about color. the actor's skin? What about the actor's skin? Well, we'll paint them with, you know, we could get makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, in theaters, we'll probably see mostly film students. We'll probably see people with an interest in how movies are put together. And I think that the weird concept, how we are filming this, is going to be enough to make people want to come see the film. Yeah. And I think we will try to advertise this movie mostly at colleges, very pretentious colleges, mm. film schools, things like that, smaller theaters. Um, we won't have to worry about making back a multi-million dollar budget. Maybe we can course. get it in Tribeca or Sundance or something. Too. Oh, yes. Clooney's in it, or at least a Clooney lookalike's in it. It's chewing. Clooney's lobe. Yeah, Clooney, Clooney's yes. earlobe. Yeah. yeah, there we are. All right. Just to be clear, the title of this movie is The Rage of Perfection, right? The Anger of Perfection? Oh, yes, that's the perfection. One. Okay. Yeah. So I've put The Anger of Perfection into our movie machine to try and determine how this has turned out. And it kind of got stuck in the middle, just like chugged for a while. <laughs> uh, if you listen closely, you can actually hear it still trying to, mm. trying to get it out the other side. Ooh, it's a very ooh, persistent yeah. movie we've done. <clears throat> But with yeah. the little pieces that it's fell out, I was able to tape them back together and, and determine what was what was going to happen with this movie. So this movie is, it's not the worst movie ever. It's just kind of overlooked. Your, your marketing works. The people who, you know, it's marketed to will go see it. And whether they like it or not, they've paid the money. So <laughs> who cares for you guys, right? That said, this doesn't really make you guys any money. It doesn't really um, stick with people's brains for any long period of time. It's just kind of like, well, yeah, that was kind of a, an interesting little movie that got made. That's interesting. I wonder how those people got involved with this project. Okay, cool. Whatever. However, this movie does see kind of an odd second life a couple of years after it comes out. Thanks to a college humor sketch video that they post about movies that you always scroll past on Netflix thinking you're going to click on but then never do. <laughs> so, like, it's name dropped in the middle of that sketch. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Uh, the Anger of Perfection. I was meaning to watch that. Uh, I'm going to watch another episode of Scrubs. <laughs> After that comes out, people, you know, crack that joke at parties and stuff, and then, like, a couple of people decide to go and watch it after that they've said that. So you guys get a little bit on kind of that back kick end okay. for everything. You know, an ironic viewing still a viewing. This is true. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, something just occurred to me. Uh, it's really hard to do a film in one take when you have flashbacks. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know? We'll fix yeah. it in post. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't because it's one take. Oh, Okay. So that's where things are right now. Uh, you do have to take a couple of minutes to either you know fix things that you thought were mistakes or to you know call it art and see it off on its way. So starting with Kyle, anything you would like to add or, or change? Or All right. Well, on? I'm gonna lobby hard to either I'm gonna rewrite the script so it's all linear. So the ones. 
the one take works, but then we kind of lose the mystery of slowly revealing who Joe is, which I think is a great kind of mm. mystery of the show, of the film. And then also lobby hard to not do it in one take. Also, I found out mm. that I'm unable to watch the final film because I get very bad vertigo from the camera view behind Clooney's ear. I suffer mm. the same thing watching Hardcore Henry. Can't watch that film either, and I think that's really alienating a large part of our audience. So I'd, I would, I would, you know, maybe for some more traditional cinematography, maybe film it more like a Godfather or something with your more wider lenses with f- framing using the environment around us to kind of frame shots and everything because that would really i mean if we film it similar to the godfather i'm not a cinematographer but i mean that's films from the 70s it takes place in the 70s we would really kind of embody that feel once again that's not my call but i'm gonna write s- descriptions in the script kind of pushing that way maybe write some insert shots into the script of you know some cool things that was set up but then i just in case everyone disagrees with that i will write a version of the script that's completely time linear and then let the producer and director decide what to do from there all right anything else you want to add i will add one fart joke from zach helifanakis into the movie that didn't make the original cut that was his contract yeah yeah all right, David, any changes you would like to make? I'll tell you what. I can compromise with you on the one-take thing. Everything that happens in the present of the film, that'll, that happens all without takes. That happens all without cuts, I mean. Uh, so the black-and-white present narrative is linear because it's happening in real time, but because we do flashbacks with the uh, with, with, with the mob heist and everything like that, it's color, it's better produced, it's better edited and everything, which shows kind of how memories work and that we kind of create a movie out of our own memories. So therefore, it's going to be a kind of an allegory as to maybe he's an unreliable narrator. Maybe he's saying some things that don't exactly match up with the flashbacks because of how they're edited and how they're shot and because they're in color and everything because you're clearly getting it the truth as he tells it, which may not be the real truth. I uh, I think that Zach Galifianakis might have been the best thing to happen to this movie. The Fro, uh, he's going to be credited as Zach Galifronakis. D- I'm dead fast on that one. That is that's happening. <laughs> Anything you. else you want to add? Just that uh, this uh, this film is going to be quite possibly some of the best non Soderbergh Soderbergh camera that uh, has ever been Soderberghed. I mean, okay. not Soderberghed. I'm original. <laughs> All right, so Kirsten, any last-minute changes or things you want to add? Absolutely. I refuse to compromise on the -the over-the-shoulder look. I I think that that's absolutely what's going to make our movie stick out. However, I do understand that a lot of people have the motion sickness, so what we're going to do is we're also going to offer limited-edition popcorn buckets that come with, taped on the underside, a barf bag. (laughs) These barf bags will be printed with a holographic picture of the main character's ear. And uh, they will be collector's items, granted, hoping that you don't uh, use them. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you want to add? Otherwise, I think I can agree with those changes. Uh, I wonder if there's a way that we can get into merchandising, maybe by if we could get into the legal drug market. And, mm. uh, you know, it is the 70s. If we could market a brand-specific uh, strain of marijuana oh. that we could sell in several states. You know, I hear that economy is going well. We could jump on that bandwagon and people might enjoy the movie better yep. if they're not cur- in charge of all of their mental faculties. Indeed. We'll call it Dank Galifianakis. God damn it. That's all I got. 
Okay. <laughs> so your your movie take is about the same. Uh, not a whole lot changes, although a few a few ironic collectors do uh, grab those those novelty bags, and a few of them sell for pretty high on eBay. Five or six years after the movie has come out, <laughs> branded branded vinyl um, bags have become like a. Theme and movie machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, David, you get a little bit of uh, backhanded recognition from Alejandro Inaritu. He he says something kind of offhanded at at the the Oscars about uh, some copycat guy with uh, with Zach Galifianakis uh-huh. in a film. So you get a couple of like you know a couple more Twitter followers who are are super excited and are like, yeah, whatever, man, screw him. I liked your movie. I, I will thank Inaritu for the gentle caress of his backhand. Yeah. All right, so there you have it, folks. The anger of perfection. And as always, we will leave you with a quote of wisdom from our patron saint, Guy Fieri. You can't make food this creative and this weird if you're not thinking about puppies. <laughs> 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 My